right. Well, welcome to H12. It's good to be here with you guys tonight. My name is Blake. I'm one of the student pastors here at 12 Stone. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, as, of course, you've already noticed this, uh, tonight has a bit of a medieval theme to it. And uh, the reason for that is because we're in this series called Once Upon a Time. We're talking about uh, the idea of stories. I mean, if somebody comes up and begins a sentence with Once Upon a Time, you know, first off, you know they're a weirdo because no one starts a sentence like that. But second off, you know, they're about to tell you a story. And so that's the whole idea is we're looking at different stories in Scripture. We're picking out stories in Scripture. And, and we're just asking the question of God, what would you teach us through this story? And so I'm actually really excited about the story that we get to talk about tonight because I believe it applies to every single person in this room. The story we're going to look at tonight, it's actually, it, it, every single person in here can relate to it. Uh, it's not going to, you're not going to hear this and go, ah, no, not for me. I mean, this is something that everybody in here, I'd be willing to bet, has tried. But most of us, if we're honest, um, maybe have given up on it. It's something that everybody in here at some point has tried, but most of us um, may, may have given up on this. And so we're going to look at a story. Jesus tells us a story tonight in Luke chapter 11, and it answers the question of why do most of us quit on prayer? Why do most people quit when it comes to prayer? It's a good question. And, and I mean, regardless of if you're like a big church person or not, or you're not even sure what you believe about God, all of us have had a moment of desperation, at least, where you've thrown up a prayer to God. For me, uh, as a freshman in high school, I made the decision to hang out with uh, my stupid friends one Friday night. And I say my stupid friends in a loving way, because, you know, um, I'm not like saying it like they're stupid, but... You know, you have different groups of friends, right? You kind of maybe have school friends, you have church friends. You, you have like your stupid friends. At least guys do. I don't know about girls, but you have your stupid friends. And it's like when I'm with these friends, I'm going to do something stupid. Guys are looking at me like, yeah, I know. That's, that's it. If you're not nodding, you might be the stupid friend. You know what I mean? You might be that guy who's, who's the dumb friend. So these are my stupid friends. So look, I, I get together with them on a Friday night. And the night starts good. We're just playing video games in the basement. It's fine. And, uh, you know, normal, normal night with stupid friends. But then one guy says, hey, bro. It's about midnight. He says, let's go for a walk. So, okay, um, let's go for a walk. But you know, like a group of high school boys, you're not just going for a walk. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, guys, let's get some exercise. Let's take a break from all this gaming. No one's thinking that. Someone's got a plan. So it's like, all right, we're going for a walk. So we all head out of the basement, 1230 at night, we're walking through the neighborhood. Uh, then my buddy says, says, hey, dude, let's doorbell ditch this house down the street. Now, if you don't know what doorbell ditch is, I will tell you. Uh, ding-dong ditch, doorbell, whatever you call it. It's when you go up to a house, you ring the doorbell one, two, three, like 80 times, ring the doorbell, and then you run away before they answer the door. It's pretty simple. If you didn't know what it was, that would shock me. But that's doorbell ditch right there. That's what you do. So he says, let's doorbell ditch this house. So we go up to the house. We get ready to ring the doorbell. And I ask the guys, I say, all right, where are we, where are we gonna run up? Where are we gonna run and like get out of here, right? They say, no, dude, you gotta watch. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, it's all about the reaction of the guy when he answers the door and no one's there. Okay, all right, that's fine. So he said, they said, we're going to actually go, uh, we're going to get behind these bushes. The guy had like a little like, line of bushes at the edge of his yard. They said, we're going to go hide behind the bushes after ringing the doorbell. I'm like, okay, this sounds a little risky, but whatever, let's do it. You guys are my stupid friends. I'll do it for you because I love you. Ring the doorbell. Ding dong, ding dong, ding. We all run. We get behind the bushes. And I am not kidding. I promise you, this is exactly what happened. Hear the door open. I'm hiding behind the bushes. I'm not looking. Some of my friends have the courage to look. I don't. Behind the bushes. Here, walking around kind of hear the guy like huffing and puffing, like he's starting to realize what happens. And I'm dead serious. This is, ex this is the first thing that I hear. 
you're going to die tonight. And then he said a lot of other stuff that I won't say in church, but he said it, and he just goes off. And I'm dead serious. He said, you're going to die tonight. And I just remember being like, huh, that was... That seemed like an overreaction. I mean, that's what I was thinking, like, behind the bush. Like, that seemed like an overreaction. And he's, you know, he's just raging now, and he's screaming. And then, this is not a joke again. You know that noise, and everybody knows it, of, like, an aluminum baseball bat hitting the concrete? Everyone knows it. Yeah, I can't make that noise, but you know that noise. I started to hear that, and he's screaming, and he's, like, he's, he's pacing, and he's hitting it on the ground. He's going back and forth, and I'm asking my friends, I'm like, what is the matter with this guy? Did we just ding on just, like, this psycho? And they said, well, uh, actually, bro, we've got his house at, like, midnight for the past three nights in a row. So they've been riling this guy up. Nobody told me that. And so now I'm trapped behind the bush with all these other guys, and I'm about to die. And, and he, he calls, and this is, again, not a joke. He gets out his phone. He makes a phone call, and he says, yeah, come over. Two minutes later, I hear a truck coming down the road. We see the headlights. Turns into the driveway, and four guys get out of the truck. And now they're all talking. And, I mean, they're still mad, and they're, they are talking. We can hear them talking about the plan to find us. They're like, yeah, we're going to find these guys. they got to be somewhere. This is how they're going to scour the neighborhood and look for us. And I'm behind that bush <laughs> on my hands and knees, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to die tonight. <laughs> like, he declared it, and now he's going to make it come true. <laughs> And so I'll never forget this moment. I'm being so scared. It's one of the most scared moments of my whole life. I just kind of get in the fetal position on my hands and knees and uh, just start praying like the most desperate prayer. Like it's like one of the hardest times I've ever prayed in my whole life because I think I'm going to die. And so, I'm, you know, it's one of those prayers like, God, if you just get me out of this, I will be a missionary in Africa. If you just don't let me get, you know, killed by this crazy guy, like, whatever it is, God, I will do it. I'll, a huge prayer, huge desperation prayer to please save my life tonight. Hardest I've ever prayed. Like, as a freshman, I didn't pray that much. I prayed right then. And the truth is, everybody in here, we've all had moments like that. So I know when we talk about prayer tonight, when we talk about why do we quit on prayer, it applies to everybody. We've all had a situation like that. Maybe not exactly like that, but you've had the situation where you're like, on the math test, probably going to fail because you didn't study. You're praying. You know what I mean? You, You may not believe in God the rest of the year, but you're praying on that test. Side note, whenever it was a math test and I didn't know, if it was like a multiple choice test, I was like, thank you, God. Like multiple, like God will guide the pen. You know what I mean? Like if it's answers, you don't, you can't make that up. But if it's a multiple choice, you're like, God, just, I don't know if anyone else does that. That's just me. But we've all had moments where there's a scary moment on a test. For some of us, look, for some of us, it gets a lot heavier. Um, I mean, you hear news of, of, of a loved one or a friend who is sick or in the hospital uh, maybe you lose a loved one. Maybe someone close to you passes away. Maybe uh, you hear a friend or somebody has cancer. Maybe it's, it's your parents and you hear, hey, we're getting a divorce. There is huge, heavy stuff that hits us, overwhelming things that make you realize, man, I can't do anything about this. I think my only reaction right now is just to pray. And so I know a lot of us in here, everyone probably has tried prayer at some point, but most of us Most of us quit on prayer at a certain point. We quit. And so the story tonight that we're going to look at, the story that Jesus tells, it it answers this question for us of why do people quit in prayer? And it actually shows us what happens if you don't. So it's in Luke chapter 11. We're actually going to do this. This is what I want to do. I want to read through the whole story, and then we'll go back and we'll we'll kind of pick it apart once we go through it. So Luke chapter 11 
Jesus tells this story, and here's what you got to know. There's, there's two guys involved in this story. One guy is asking the other guy for bread. Okay, and Jesus isn't just telling the story to tell the story. He's telling the story to teach us about prayer. So get this. The guy who is asking for bread, that represents you or that represents me in a scenario. And the person who he's asking for bread, that represents God. So this is kind of a picture of prayer. Just like we may ask God for something in prayer, this guy is asking his neighbor. He's asking his friend for some bread. So that gives you a little bit of the setup. Uh, But we'll just read this together. We'll go all the way through. Uh, Luke chapter 11 starts in verse 5. Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So that's that's the quick version of the story right there, just a quick run through. But I want to go back and kind of pick it apart because, again, this isn't just a story about a guy trying to get bread. This is Jesus teaching us about prayer in this story. So imagine this scenario. The, the, the whole picture right here is one guy goes to another guy's house at midnight, knocks on his door, wakes him up, and he's trying to get some bread. He needs some bread. Someone showed up at his house. He needs bread for the guy. And so he's trying to get bread from him. So uh, we can just even name the two guys in the story. I don't care. Um, so let's, let's, name, let's name the first guy who's asking for the bread. What should his name be? Give me a name. Trey. I heard Trey for some reason. So Trey is the first guy. Trey's the guy doing the asking. And the guy who's going to be in the house who's being asked, what should his name be? Murph. I heard Murph. I heard Murph. So we got Trey and Murph. Trey, so Trey goes to Murph's house. It's midnight. Murph is asleep. Trey shows up to his house. He's knocking on his door. Yo, Murph. Murph, answer the door, man. Hey, Murph, you up? Murph's inside. He wakes up. What's happening? He starts to hear someone at the door. He's, he's maybe a little disoriented. I mean, you know, when you wake up, you're disoriented. You're, what's, what's going on? You, is that someone at the door right now? Is, is, is that seriously? It's midnight? What time is it? Who is that? Murph, you in there, man? I need some bread, man. Hey, Murph. Still knocking. Who's, is, that, is that Trey at the door? What's, what's going on? So you can imagine, listen, just from the first part of the scenario, the guy is knocking on the door. He's trying to get his attention. There's, there's probably a decent amount of time where he's just knocking. He's just trying to get the guy in the house's attention, and he's not getting any response back. I mean, if you're waking somebody up at midnight and they're dead asleep, they're probably not like, it's not, what's up, man? You need bread? I'm up. I'm up. You need bread? That's not what it's going to be. The guy's asleep. He's going to have to wake up. He's going to see what's going on. So the guy starts to wake up. Finally, the guy in the house wakes up. He hears what he's saying. And so this is, this is his first response. So he's, the guy on the outside, Trey's been knocking. He's been asking. And then finally, Murph gets up and he says, the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. So now the guy inside the house, he finally kind of says something back. He, you know, uh, Murph's just waking up in there, and he's going, what's happening? Is that Trey at the door? Is he asking for, for bread right now? Seriously, what, what's going on? No, dude, I'm, I'm in bed, man. I, my, my kids are asleep. You got kids, Murph? Not yet. Not yet, but maybe you will. Okay, so your kids are asleep. Okay, my kids are asleep, but I, you know, I don't know. I can't get up with, with the kids here. I, I, dude, don't bother me right now. I've got stuff going on. It's, it's midnight. You know, come back another time. I, I can't handle this right now. And so then... 
thing about this. Trey's knocking on the door, and now he gets that response. He doesn't really get a clear answer. He doesn't get a clear yes or, or no. It's, it's kind of this ambiguous, he just woke up, what's happening? And, and he still hasn't got the answer he's looking for. He still didn't get the response that he was looking for when he's knocking on the door. And this point right here, at this point in the story, I really believe this is the point where most people quit on prayer. This is the point, I think, where me personally, and maybe for you too, I think most of us, this is the point where we quit on prayer. A lot of us will go to God in prayer. We may start to pray for something, and we may pray for it hard for a day, or maybe a week, or maybe a month, or maybe a year. And what happens is we feel like, I, I'm not getting an answer. I'm not getting any response. Like, it, it just seems like it's kind of quiet on God's side. Like, I'm praying, I'm asking, but I'm not hearing anything back. Or maybe I heard something back, but I don't think, I don't know, was that really the, was that an answer that was kind of ambiguous? What, what, I don't even know if God's hearing me right now. And, and we get discouraged from that, and what do we do? We give up. We walk away. We stop. We quit. I think this is a, a big challenge for us in particular because we live in a world, guys. This, this is a little bit of a sidebar. We live in a world of instant gratification. We live in a world of instant gratification. That's kind of a big word, so I'm, I'm going to break it down for you. I Googled it, so uh, this, this will help me define it for you. But some researchers, this is how they defined instant gratification. They said it is the desire to experience pleasure or fulfillment without delay or deferment. Basically, it's when you want it, you want it now. And that's, that's really our attitude. If we're honest, most of us, we live in a world of instant gratification. I mean, think about it. When we go out to eat, we want our food pretty quick. Like, you go through a drive-thru. If it takes more than 10 minutes, you're like, what? what's going on here? This better be free. I mean, it's taking forever. I mean, you want what you want. You want it now. When we talk about going online, you want to look at, you don't want to watch. I mean, if, you're, if someone comes up to me, and they try and show me. They say, hey, I got a video to show you. I want to show you a funny video. If the video is longer than two minutes, I'm just like, no, dude, no, I'm sorry. And you all know that friend who you, who's always wanting to show you the, show you a video, and they're like, hey, have you seen the something-something video? And you just eventually just are like, yeah, I've seen it. Just don't, don't make me watch another video, please. But we, we don't even like to watch videos that are that long and forget it. If the video has an ad in front of it, I am done. I'm so sick of ads. 15-second ad, I'm out. I don't even want to watch your video anymore. I'm done. 30-second ad, I close out of YouTube. It's over. I just hate ads that much. We live, but the, listen, that's the truth, though. We live in a world of instant gratification, of we want what we want, we want it now. We want an instant response. When we text people, we want an instant reply. I'll be actually honest with you guys. I am horrible at texting people back. So, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to get up here and be, I want to get up here and be like, you know what I hate? When people don't text back. But in reality, I'm the guy who doesn't text back. So I'm sorry. Um, but, but look, we, we text people, we want an immediate text back, right? It's, it's super annoying when you're going back and forth and you're texting, and it's like a little bit of a conversation, and then someone just drops off and they text you back like three days later. It's crazy. And so I know... And, and, and I know for me it's annoying, and so I'm sure for you guys it's like 10 times that. I've been told um, by some students that, like, that is one of the worst offenses possible is not texting back. So I, I just kind of scoured the Internet a little bit, 
to come up with some responses and found some decent responses, maybe some, some things that you could send to somebody. If they're not giving you a text back, it's been a while, um, here's, here's some ideas, some text messages, some pictures. We're just going to roll through them. So go ahead and throw, th- throw some of these up. We'll enjoy them together. <laughs> this dog is out here kissing a deer, and I can't even get a text back. The logic on that doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? Like a dog's kissing a deer, but still, it's just I can't get a text back. Keep it going. Sloth is out here trying to expand his horizons and I and get an education, but you can't text back. So that's another way to shame somebody is by showing them a sloth in school. I don't really get it, but keep going. <laughs> text me to tell me that you aren't going to text back. That's a pretty good one. I've actually had someone send that one to me uh, personally. Like I said, I'm not that great at it. Noah wrote Allie 365 letters, so I think you can text back. <laughs> Notebook reference if you get it. What else we got? Should I get pizza? Hey, John, my arm just chopped off by a psycho killer. Sorry, I will save you. I already bled to death. That's what happens when you take 30 minutes to reply to text. People die. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. But that's, listen, that's, that's the seriousness that people take, like wanting a reply back to their text. When it doesn't happen, people die. It's serious, okay? But we... The truth is, when it comes to text, when it comes to technology, whatever, we want instant replies. We want instant gratification. We want what we want. We want it right now. And listen, guys, we can get into such serious trouble when we take this attitude into spiritual things. I'm telling you, when we take this attitude of like, I I need to have it right now, If God doesn't reply right away, if I don't get an answer right now, if I don't see results right now, then I'm out. When we take that attitude into spiritual things, we can get into a lot of trouble. Because as we can see in this story, that's not always the way that prayer works. In fact, oftentimes, that's not the way prayer works. Sometimes you pray and you, you may not hear a response back immediately. There may not be a clear, quick answer. Sometimes there might be, but it might not always be like that. And if we take that, if we take that little bit of silence or quiet, if we take that as an excuse to say, hey, I'm out, I'm walking away, I'm done, we will miss out on so much of what God has for us. Prayer will never make sense to us. Prayer will never make sense to us. If we walk away as soon as it gets quiet, if we walk away when we don't hear something back right away, it'll never make sense. Because check it out. Verse 7 in this story. Don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8, just a verse later, he says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely give up, get up and give you as much as you need. So the guy knocking, the guy asking, the guy praying, he's kind of sitting in silence. He hasn't gotten the response he wants. He could easily have walked away. He could easily have said, I'm not getting anything. I'm, I'm out. I'm going to go find another way to do this. But he stays there, and just a verse later, his prayer is answered. Just a verse later, he gets an answer. I thought, man, when I'm reading this, how many things have I missed out on? How many breakthroughs, how many prayers answered have I missed out on if I would have just stuck it out for just one more verse of the story? If I would have just kept knocking and kept asking and kept praying, if I would have just stand there for one more verse, man, what would I have seen God do in my life? What would God have done in some, in some circumstances if I would have just stayed there? 
I think one of, one of the biggest takeaways from this story in Luke chapter 12, I think probably the, maybe the best takeaway, I, I, don't, I don't know. This is one thing I want you to take away for tonight. I know that. If you take away one thing from this story, when it comes to prayer, guys, listen, don't quit because it's quiet, okay? Don't quit because it's quiet. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. Don't quit because it's quiet because that's going to be part of prayer. There's going to be moments, Jesus tells us, there's going to be moments when we pray and we don't hear a clear answer right away. We don't hear that answer we're looking for really, really soon after. It may take some time. But if we, if we leave, if we take that as a time to quit and walk away, we will miss out on so many answered prayers. We will miss out on so many things, guys. Listen, so many things that God wants to do if we quit early, if we walk away. Now, let's, let's talk about the final part of the story. It says, I tell you, even though, this is so huge, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is a super important part. Because for a while when I read this story, what I thought it was saying in a way was, it seems like, it seems like from the story that you can almost like annoy God into giving you things. Because that's kind of what happens, right? At first he's like, no, I'm, I'm in bad man, I'm not now. He's kind of like, just not giving him anything. And then the guy keeps going, and it says, well, not because we're friends, but because of your shameless audacity, because you won't leave, he'll get up and give you as much as you need. So it almost seemed, I, I used to think, man, so like basically you're just saying like you can just annoy God into giving you things. Is that what it's saying? You can annoy God so much. He's like, fine, I'll answer the prayer. Just leave me alone. Uh, is, that, is that how this works? And that's, listen, that's not what it's saying. It's not about annoying God. As a matter of fact, I don't think when it talks about shameless audacity, it's not talking about an annoyance there. Um, and, and it can even be easily confused when you read that, the shameless audacity. You can almost confuse that with arrogance in a way uh, of, man, is he just arrogant to keep standing there like, and just keep asking and keep asking and keep staying at the door and keep asking over and over, even when the guys kind of shut him down or he didn't answer? Is that just arrogance? Is he just annoying the guy? But I, that's not what the shameless audacity is. See, shameless audacity, what that is, that, what, what he's communicating, what, is, what that means is that's, that's not arrogance, it's not annoyance, but it's complete humility. And, and, and you got to get why. See, if the guy knocking on the door, if he, he's knocking, Trey's trying to get in, Murph's not letting him, let him get in. Sorry, man, I, I'm not getting up. If the guy thought, hey, I have another option here, he, he probably would have just left. If he thought, you know what, there's another way I can get some bread. I think I know I got down the street, or maybe I can figure this out some other way. I've got some other plan. I'll just take care of it myself. Then he would have left. But the fact that he had this shameless audacity, that boldness, that tells you this guy had no other options. That's what the shameless audacity means in prayer. When you know that you have no other hope, you've got no other options, you've got nothing else besides God as your hope. It's a complete dependence on God. It's complete humility. It's you saying, God, if, if you're my only hope. If you don't come through for me here, then, then there's not going to be anything that does. 
And I think what happens in prayer is we lack that shameless audacity. We go to God and we pray for something, and then we don't, we don't maybe hear back, or we're, we're not sure if it's going to get answered, and we say, you know what, I, I think I'll just handle it on my own, or I think I'm just going to try and get this bread some other way. I think I'm, I think I'm going to figure this out in another way besides God. But shameless audacity, that's when we go to God in prayer, and we say, God, you are my only hope. God, I have complete dependence on you. It's complete humility before God and saying, I can't give up on this, God, because you're the only one who can do this. See, if we have other alternatives in prayer, if we have stuff that's like, I'm going to try praying, maybe, you know, that's going to be my first shot. If it doesn't work, then I'll move on to something else. It has to be our only shot. It has to be our only thing. Go to God and say, you're my only hope of getting this done. That's the shameless audacity, and that is what moves the man to get up. And so Jesus is telling us that is what moves God's heart in prayer is when we have that shameless audacity, that attitude of, God, you are my only hope for this. God, this is all on you. God, I am counting on you. I can't leave unless you do this, God. That shameless audacity moves God's heart. And what I've, I've realized this recently, we really pl- pray different when you know that God is, is the only way it can get done. When you know that, man, this is out of my control, there's no other way but God. I'll, I'll put it this way. I am really close now to being a dad for the first time. I have, uh, yeah, yeah. I have um, a little girl on the way, and her official due date is June 25th. And I think today's the 14th, so that means I've got about 11 days before hopefully she's here. Maybe it's a little later. We don't know. But I'm going to have a little girl soon. I'm going to be a dad. And, uh, oh, thank you. Um, side note, this is really disc- this is just a total side note. I recently uh, had an Instagram account start following me called Shredded Dads. And you know, like, when you, like, get followed by something, you're like, check it out. And so I check it out. I'm like, what is shredded dads? And it's this whole account. It's like four dads helping dads get their body back. That's really encouraging. You know what I mean? That's really great for my confidence. I got followed by shredded dads. Like, I already have a dad bod. It's not even right. So uh, anyway, that's a side note. But so I'm excited. I'm getting excited about being a dad. But I've realized that in preparation uh, for this, as me and my wife are praying, I find myself praying a lot differently um, because I know that I have no control over this whole birth process. Like, I, I'm not a doctor. I have nothing to do with that. And so, so to know that, man, there's going to be this, this crazy moment where we have to take my wife to the hospital and she's going to give birth. And, there, you know, there could be all kind of different risks and things. And I know the doctors are smart, but there's always that, that worry and that fear there. Just the realization that, man, this is so out of my control. Like, if something went wrong, I, have, I can't do anything about it. Man, it's changed the way that I prayed because I've just said, man, God, you are my only hope in this. You are the only, you're the only one who can make a difference here. And I don't have any alternatives. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't say, oh, well, you know, if God doesn't come through, I've got plan B, which is this. I've got plan C. You know, if he doesn't answer the door in time, I'm going to go down the street. There's nothing else. And it's just started to, to, to make me think, man, we, we pray differently. We pray with that shameless audacity when we know, man, there is no way that these things can be done without God. And some of us have stuff like that in our lives. It's like there is no way this change can happen unless God steps in here. And in those areas, that's where we have to pray with the shameless audacity.
where we don't stop, where we don't walk away, even if it's quiet, even if we don't hear back. And when we do, this is what the coolest part is, is, is God is faithful. God honors that, and he answers. We continue on in the story, uh, just verse 9, the next verse. It says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. So God tells us, when you pray, when you knock, when you seek with that shameless audacity, when you don't walk away, you don't quit because it's quiet, but you stay there, you communicate, man, this is my only hope. God is moved by that, and he answers our prayers. God is faithful to answer our prayers. Too often we say, man, God, I don't know, sometimes he answers prayer, sometimes he doesn't. He does. Sometimes we just walk away before we even get the answer. So the truth is, God is faithful to answer. And I want to give you guys tonight, because sometimes I know we get confused and we think, man, when God, for God to answer a prayer, a lot of times we think, man, for God to answer a prayer, it means he did exactly what I asked him to do, exactly in the way I asked him to do it, and exactly the time I asked him to do it. That's what we think an answer to prayer looks like. And the truth is, that's not always what it looks like. And so we may walk around and say, man, God doesn't answer, he doesn't answer prayers that much because he doesn't do it exactly the way I wanted in exactly the time I wanted. So I want to give you guys maybe three different ways that, that can help you recognize when God answers a prayer. Sometimes we'll pray and God will answer it, but he won't always answer the way we think, but he does answer it. So I'm going to give you three things. They're there in your notes, and we're just going to hit them really quickly. Three, three ways that uh, are, are possible ways where God may answer a prayer. The first way is God will do something in you. God will do something in you. And what I mean by that is this. A lot of times, our prayers are to change our circumstances. A lot of times, we pray for God to change the people around us. Um, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes, I mean, you, if you, hey, what's your prayer request? Well, my dad is, you know, my dad is, you know, he, he's, he's just horrible. Uh, and my mom, you know, my mom, she's always, she's always just nagging me. And my brother, oh, my gosh, she's the most annoying guy in the world. And my sister, oh, man, she, I was going to say she pinches me because my sister used to pinch me. That's like a weird thing. So she pinches me. My sister pinches me. God, break her little fingers. No, that's horrible. Uh, <laughs> please don't break her fingers. Um, you know, but we, we have all these prayer requests about other people and about the circumstances we're facing and all the things going on in our world. And sometimes... Well, we're praying for God to change all of our circumstances. We're praying for God to change everything around us. Oftentimes, God just wants to change something in us. It's not always about changing all of our circumstances and changing everybody at our school or changing everybody at the church or changing everybody that, that we know in our family, but God wants to actually do something in you. He wants to change something in you. He wants to teach you something, and he'll do that through prayer. Sometimes that's the way that God answers a prayer is he changes something. He does something in you through prayer. The second way, second way that God answers prayer is God will do something for you. He'll do something for you. And this, this is, you know, what we kind of think of when we pray is we want God to do something for us. Of God, I, we may be asking for God to heal somebody and he does it. We may be asking, God, would you just help me make the, the sports team, and he makes it happen. Or, God, will you just help heal some of the wounds in my family, and that starts to happen. And sometimes we see a prayer answered almost the way, almost exactly the way we prayed it. That happens. That absolutely happens. It's not always the case, but God does do things for us. He will answer prayers for us. And then the third way uh, 
that God may answer a prayer is God will give us something better to ask for. I'll give you an example of this. When I, uh, when I was in high school, had a dating relationship, amazingly. Didn't go great, amazingly. <laughs> and um, me and the girl broke up, okay? She broke up with me. We said it was mutual, but she broke up with me. I'll admit it. I'm a man. After the breakup, I was so devastated, so devastated, so hurt, so upset. I remember for probably three months straight praying every single day, God, will you please just bring us back together? God, will you please just help, help this girl? Like, let's, let's somehow, let's be dating again, God. Would you please do something? Make a miracle happen, God. Uh, make my face different so she likes me, God. I don't know what you're going to do, but bring this relationship back together. I prayed that solid for three months. And I, in the moment, in those times, I thought, man, this is exact. Like, God, if you would just answer this prayer, this would mean the world to me. And I look back on it now, and I'm like, dude, you were crazy. What are you thinking? I actually looked back on that like a year after it happened, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I am so glad that God, one, didn't answer that prayer, and two, he gave me something better to ask for. See, after, after a few months of realizing this isn't going to happen, I just started to ask God, okay, look, God, if this, if this isn't going to work, if things with the girl aren't going to happen, then just give me you, God. Just give me a strong relationship with you. Just give me, give me a closeness with you then. If I can't have that relationship, God, let me have a close relationship with you. He actually gave me something better to ask for. In the moment, I thought, man, this is what I want more than anything, but I look back on it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was so stupid. And, and think about it. If we have that perspective, if we can have that perspective on ourselves, like we can look back a few years and see, oh, that was so dumb. I shouldn't have been asking for that. I'm glad God didn't answer it. I'm glad God redirected me. Think about how much more God has that perspective on us. And so maybe sometimes when a prayer doesn't get answered, when something that we're desperate for doesn't get answered, maybe God is, is he's going to give us something better to ask for because he has a bigger perspective and he has more wisdom and more knowledge than we do. So that's just three ways there, three ways that God may answer a prayer for you. As the band, band comes back up, I, I want to kind of close out tonight um, by just giving you a couple questions. Because I believe we, we can talk about this in here. We can talk about, man, when it's quiet in prayer, don't quit. That's going to be part of it. We can talk about praying with shameless audacity, which we said that's the desperation. That's the humility. That's the complete dependence on God that we have no hope outside of him. There's no other way. There's no backup plan. Jesus, if you don't make something happen, there's no hope. So let me just give you this question. Tonight, as you sit here in your seat, ask God, man, God, where do I need to pray with shameless audacity? Maybe ask him, God, where have I quit? Where, where did I get to a point in my prayer life where I quit on something and I stopped praying and I said, I'm not hearing anything. It doesn't seem like the answer is coming through. I'm gonna be done. Is there a place like that that you need to say tonight, you know what, no, I need to go back after that. I need to pick that back up. I need to start praying again with a shameless audacity. I need to start praying again to God like he's my only hope, like he's the only way I can get through. I believe if we ask God that, if we say, God, where, 
where do you want me to pray, God? Where do I need to wake up in my prayer life? That he'll, he'll answer us. He'll direct us. And, and I would honestly, I would just even extend this to you students as well. Um, if, if you're here tonight and you're saying, man, I really want to grow in my prayer life. Like, I don't know much about prayer. It's, we've talked a lot about it tonight. I don't even know how to say a prayer, I feel like. But I want to know more about it. I want to jumpstart my prayer life. I want to, like, get some coaching, get some teaching. How do, how do I learn how to pray? How can I pray with that shameless audacity? I would just invite you into something that our senior pastor, uh, Kevin Myers, invited us all into this past Sunday. And that's every single Saturday night here at the church. Actually, at this campus, at 9 p.m., in the main room in here, uh, a group of people from the church and everyone's invited gather to pray. 9 p.m. every Saturday night. We gather together to pray and we pray for the Sunday service. We pray for the people who are gonna be here. We pray for our community. We, we pray for all different kinds of things. But I'm telling you guys, if you're saying, if you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, I wanna be more about prayer. I wanna put more of a focus on prayer in my life. I wanna be able to pray with that shameless audacity. Show up on a Saturday night. It's Saturday night, it's 9 p.m. It's inconvenient, but do it one time. Do it one time. Show up once. Just say, I'm going to try it once. If it's horrible, I'll never go back. But I would just invite you to that, encourage you uh, to step into that. If, if that's something that you're wanting to grow in, that is an amazing place to start. So students, in this next time, let's worship well. And let's ask God that question, God. Where, where can I pray, God? Where do I need to pray with that shameless audacity in my life, God? I want to go after you as if you are my only hope. Let me pray for you guys.